we're both just so excited to say welcome. That we, <laughs> this is the problem with recording remotely. We can't see who's going to speak first. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead. Welcome, everybody. This is Missed Opportunities. Uh, we are Your Little Sisters Productions. My name is Taya. And my name is Laura. And this week on Missed Opportunities, we are doing a funny little rom-com called When in Rome. Starring Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard and Danny DeVito. And I can't remember. I don't think we ever found out the actor's name for the main lead. The main male lead, I mean. What is his name? I don't know. Josh something? (laughs) Crap. He's He's very good looking and very well known. Yeah, he's done a bunch of movies. Oh my goodness, I feel bad now. But I have to clarify that because for me, the original win in Rome... This is giving away probably like the era I grew up in. The Mary Kate and Ashley movie, When in Rome, is a different one. It's a different movie. But when people say that, I always think that movie first because I grew up watching Mary Kate and Ashley movies. I did not. <laughs> I was going to say, Taya, we should do a Mary Kate and Ashley movie someday. <laughs> I have seen like, I've seen like two Mary Kate and Ashley movies. I saw the one that they did that was kind of a parody of, not a parody, but kind of, uh, it takes two, which is the parent trap, but not. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw New York Minute, like, last year. <laughs> uh, New York Minute. I think I saw that one in theaters, and I wasn't a fan. I grew up, I watched more of the ones from starting when they were, like, 13 on. They did switching goals where they switched soccer teams and pretended to be each other to get boyfriends and stuff. And then I watched Billboard Dad, from what I recall, is actually a legit good movie. (laughs) And then The Challenge and, of course, Win in Rome. And there's a bunch of others that I'm leaving out because I can't. uh, Passport to Paris. There's too many of them to count. But, like, I watched the ones when they were teenagers um, I watched the show. <laughs> they had a show on TV for a little oh, while. I watched that. I wish I wish I would have been able to watch it. I don't think we had the channel to watch it. This is not this one in Rome is different. <laughs> this is a romantic comedy. <laughs> very so, different. So starring Kristen Bell, I think, and I could be very wrong, but I think this is actually where Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard met and started dating because they're, you know they're now married with kids. And they met on the set of something, and I think it was this movie. So that's a really cute story. But he is not the romantic lead. No, he's not. So he had to watch as she was making out with someone else. (laughs) 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 But they're actors, so I guess they're used to it because they're professional. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm technically a professional actor, and I still find kissing people weird. So (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> all right so we're gonna let's talk about so yeah go ahead and give us a summary so the movie is about this woman who's a curator for a museum they put up a lot of art shows and she um is in charge of this really big upcoming project and there's you know some things that are going not quite right with it but and her boss lets her know and no uncertain terms that it has to go off without a hitch and that even though she's really smart and talented, that she's not irreplaceable. And therefore, she can be replaced. I think I said that correctly. Not irreplaceable. Yeah. Yes. So she can be replaced at any time. So the pressure is really on 
and she gets a visit from her little baby sister who is getting married to a guy that she's known for about approximately two weeks and it's happening in Rome, Italy. So she literally has a two day advance notice to let her boss know that she's flying to Italy to go to a wedding at said wedding. She kind of makes a fool out of herself in a couple different ways. Um, and along the way, of course, she meets this guy who he's one of the groomsmen for the, for the groom and they get along and she actually decides to take a leap and go after him, but she sees him kissing another woman and, she gets drunk instead and climbs into the Fontana de Amore, which is the fountain of love, if you don't speak Italian or Latin or anything like that. It's a very famous fountain in Italy where people throw coins in and the rumor is, or the, not the rumor, the legend, is if you throw a coin in there and wish for love, that it will be granted. So she goes in while drunk and she's waiting around and she picks up five coins down. Yeah, she picks up five different coins. And every time she picks up a coin, there's like a little rumble of thunder. And we see a different guy's face. So we know it's like their coin that she's picking up. And they're going to fall in love with her because the legend also says if you take coins out of the fountain that they will fall in love with you. They'll be put under this magic spell. They can't control themselves. So she's in Italy. The next time we see her after that really is she's at home. We find out she got on the front page for being in that fountain. And she starts having these really weird encounters with all these different guys. Now, we recognize them because they were the guys whose coins she picked. But, of course, she doesn't recognize them. But they found out where she lived and followed her there and are following her around, doing all these really weird, whatever they can do to get her attention and make her fall in love with them. For example, one of them is an artist, and so he paints her on the side of a building, like, 90-foot-tall mural of her, which he somehow does in, like, a day. Which, holy crap, that's a lot to do in one day. Um, There's a magician who tries to perform magic tricks to impress her on the street and also breaks into her home, which I don't know how he found out where she lived, but we'll get to that. And one of them is this groomsman who starts to pursue her. Well, she figures out, of course, that all these men are pursuing her because the coins she took and she believes the main male lead, Nick, to be one of those men she loses a really big centerpiece for the art show that's coming up. And Nick steps up and says, I have a really cool art piece. It's, it's exclusive. No one's seen it in public before. I'll offer to donate it. She, she offers, well, she doesn't offer, he offers dinner in exchange for the painting. So she goes on a date with him and then she gets really heartbroken when she believes that he's also under the spell. She gets the coins back to the men because the legend is you either have to return the coins to the fountain or you have to give them back to the men and that will break the spell so she returns the coins back to the men she finds out that she needs to um return them back to the men yeah but then her assistant thinks that the main guy is one of those men as she does and so so the her assistant assistant steals the coins so she can't give them back because she believes that it's really sweet that, you know, especially the main male lead is in love with her and thinks it's really great for her. So she steals the coins, the other men, which there's five. So there's five coins she took in total. Four of the men are not the male lead and they help her get to where her assistant is. She gets the coins back. She gives all the coins back to all of them, including the main male lead. 
he still loves her even after she gives him his coin, which is actually a poker chip, but you know, same difference. She gives it back to him. He still loves her. They fall in love and they are getting married. And it fast forwards to their wedding day when the magician, who's one of the four men, other four men, whose coin she took, he's no longer in love with her. But he said, I found this poker chip. I think that night when I did a magic trick, I took the, the poker chip that was in the fountain and you got a different one. So you never actually gave Nick, the main lead, his poker chip back from the fountain. So she walks down the aisle and she is just torn about whether she should go through with the wedding or not because she is convinced that Nick is under a spell still. She runs out, she goes back to the fountain and yells at it for everything that's happened. And Nick comes out and he's like, why do you keep trying to give me back my poker chips? Because she's trying to give it back. And she's like, because it's yours and I don't want it anymore. And he throws it in the fountain and you find out that it was someone else that was in love with her. It was not Nick's poker chip. He never threw anything in the fountain at all and that their love is real and they kiss and everyone is happy. And that is the story. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was going to say, aside from like what we're going to talk about, I don't think I left anything out. It's a very like straightforward story. Like she takes coins from the fountain. All the people, you know, who had those coins fall in love with her from the spell, the magic, um, except this one guy who's actually really in love with her. So she's being pursued by five men at once, which as a teenager sounds awesome. But now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, this would actually be my worst nightmare. <laughs> so... Anyway, but yeah, she gets pursued by all these men doing all these crazy antics and it ends with her finding true love with one of them. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I really like this movie. Um, when I first saw it, it's really cute. Um, you know, doesn't take a whole lot of, you know, brain power to figure out. It's a really sweet movie and it's just kind of cute. But watching it as like a critic and a storyteller, this story was not told well. Like, it's a cute story. They have really good actors. You know, they had, you know, the budget was fine. Like, the, the quality of the, the shots was good, you know. A high-budget movie with really good, I mean, they have Danny DeVito and Angelica Houston in this movie. If that doesn't tell you the quality of actors they had in this movie, I don't know what else to say. Like, they're really good. And... Yeah. But the storytelling overall just wasn't good. And the first thing that we want to talk about is the editing. Oh, the editing. Because so, the editing kind of encompasses all of the things that are wrong with this movie. <laughs> so many things. Okay, so I think I've talked about it before. If you're new to the podcast, hi, I have a toddler. So sometimes when I watch the movies, I do miss like a minute or two if I have to save my toddler's life or if she distracts me in some way or something. This time around, I managed to watch the entire movie while she napped, and I sat down specifically. I was like, I'm going to just watch the movie. And I kept having to ask myself, did I miss something? Like, did I get up and do something right now? Like, I had to think back to the last 10 or 20 seconds of what I'd been doing to see if I'd missed something. But no, I was literally just sitting down. It's not a long movie. <laughs> like, I was able to just sit down and watch it, and I... The editing was so weird, I kept thinking I missed things. Yeah, so it jumped. Like, the editing moves really quickly. It jumps from scene to scene really fast. There's no fade in. There's no fade out. There's no... Um, and by fade in, I don't mean the actual physical fading of the, the scene. I mean, like, usually there's, like, us, like you, you have a 
material shot like the outside of buildings so you kind of get the structure of where you are and um and then you kind of hear a voiceover you'd be like there was no movement like that that got you from one scene to the next scene it was literally from one scene to the next scene several times and these were like crucial scenes you know like it was like they're in love they're happily ever after and then immediately they're getting married and this guy is giving her a coin and it was or the chip back and it was so weird but it but it the whole movie did that like there's moments in time that like don't really make sense because of the way that it's edited or there's not set up for a joke because it's edited backwards um for instance so the main character we're gonna call him nick although i have no idea if that's actually his name in the movie <laughs> I, I remember it being nick but hopefully that's correct yeah the main male lead um so he's pr- very accident prone and you you see that like slowly throughout the movie but at the very beginning when we meet him she is the accident prone one because she keeps making a fool of herself at her sister's wedding and um and it and so it doesn't really show that he's that accident prone and then all of a sudden there's a lot of comedy bits about how he's accident prone and he runs into trees and he almost runs into a pole and then he dodges the pole but then he falls into a hole you know and so it's like it's he's set up to be like the straight man in the comedy and she's supposed to be the crazy one but then it's also set up but then like they go away from that they like completely switch to where he's accident prone and it's part of his backstory that because he got struck by lightning on the football field and that's like his whole thing and the the picture that he gives her is of him in the rain and on the football field and everything so it's it's one of those things that needs setup. We meet him and he's not accident prone. Nothing really bad happens to him at the wedding. Like a lot of stuff happens to her all the time. And um, he's the one helping her. Like he helps her. There's a, yeah. there's a point where she has to smash a vase and it's not smashing. And he walks up and he is able to smash it for her. And a lot of like the editing of it, like, that's how it's set up and then like you see him and he goes on a date she runs away from him or whatever and he almost walks into a pole and then he walks in like falls in the hole that whole bit and then scenes later he's talking to her on the phone and he's like walking and talking and he runs into a tree and it's like if you had switched those two things it would have set up the fact that he's accident prone and he runs into trees and so when he didn't run into the pole you would have been like oh cool and then when he falls in the hole it would have been really funny but because they did it backwards, it like there was no setup for it. And so it wasn't funny because he's not the comedic bit in this. He's the romantic bit. And all the guys that are pursuing her, they're the comedy bit. And so it was weird. Like it, it was edited poorly because the storytelling was out of order, you know, like and the character setup was out of order. And she stops <sighs> being accident prone after that. Like they literally switch. Yeah. Like everything have any more embarrassing or awkward, clumsy moments after that. Except for when she's running away from the guys, which is more them than her. Yeah, that's a, it's in the complete, they're at a restaurant where the theme of the restaurant, it's like one of those super trendy, like you go to say you went there more than anything where you eat completely in the dark and it's supposed to heighten your senses because it's complete pitch black. 
and all the waiters have these night vision goggles on so they can see what they're doing and help. And so if you were running away from four different men in pitch black, surrounded by tables and people, like you'd be knocking into things too. <laughs> like it's not a clumsy person yeah. thing. It's a, just a, anyone in that scenario thing. I don't know. Part of me is happy they kind of switched because a lot of times you see in these rom-coms where the women are clumsy and like that's their flaw or, or something that's their relatability factor or whatnot is clumsiness and it kind of gets tiring. So I don't mind that it was a guy who was clumsy, but you're right about the setup was completely off for that. Yeah, like the storytelling of it was bad. And so because like we hear like because he says that he got hit by lightning she finds that out at the wedding and then he's got hit by a goat or something like his car got hit by a goat and she's like you get hit a lot you know and so they tried to like set it up but you can't just say in the dialogue something and then not show it and that is something that also this movie had a problem like I have a note that says we get it she works too much like they say that at the beginning of the movie so much like there's so much so much dialogue and exposition being like you work so hard you've been working so hard you need to take a break you haven't taken a break you need to take a break. you work so hard you were so concerned about your career you are such a career-oriented person and like over and over and I was just like oh my gosh we get it like <laughs> she works too much <laughs> like she loves her move job. on when she, you know, she herself says several times that when she loves a man more than her job then that's how she'll know it's real but she says it several times yeah it's not just just, once and then one more time did the guy to you know show the come around it's like three or four times so gee I wonder if she loves her job yeah it was (laughs) yeah and um also with the editing so there's a moment where she you know to push forward the fact that she is too obsessed with her work. She goes to Italy. She flies there. She's only going to be there for 48 hours. And the cab driver wants her to see all these different, really awesome monuments in Rome. And so we get these shots of her in the cab and she's just looking at her phone, trying to get emails and you know, all that stuff. It's like a Blackberry. Cause this, that's how old this movie is. But she's like on her phone trying to get reception and like do work while he's tr- like, trying to show her all of Rome and she's like I'm in a hurry we need to get there now but he goes through all these like all these different landmarks of Rome and I'm like well first of all how far apart are these like are they just all really really close like within a block of each other (laughs) because that's the way it was shown and I have not personally been to Rome so I don't know if all the things are right next to each other I should have asked my mom my mom's been to Rome my mom lived in Italy I should have asked her how close yeah but but the way that it was edited there was like no other cars and it was just like driving and it was really fast it was it was edited poorly and (laughs) i wish it would have shown this would have set up something later in the movie later in the movie at the end when they're all getting her to the art exhibit one because she had to be at the art exhibit and two to get the coins back from her assistant they, she tells the guy who is supposedly from Italy, we'll get to that, you know, drive like you're in Rome. He's like, no problem. I wish they would have shown how people in Rome drive before that because yeah, it's crazy. There was no setup. <laughs> there was no setup for that. And it was frustrating because like so much of this story there wasn't set up for. And like, again, it's the storytelling and the editing and like 
because he we don't see him dodging in and out of cars and like going around and she doesn't see you know like she like even if we as the audience saw it she was so focused on her phone that she didn't understand what was happening or notice anything that was happening outside of the car and so even if he they had shown that she didn't see it and so it wouldn't have made sense oh drive like you're in Rome like there was just no setup for it so yeah several times and that kind of leads into our second thing is the script oh the script the script you you know not you can't always save a bad script you know actors try you you just can't do it i'm thinking back to star wars 3 all star wars 3 some of the dialogue you you had a couple of really good actors. I think Hayden Christensen's actually a pretty decent actor. I know McGregor. I haven't seen Hayden Christensen as much. Ewan McGregor is for sure a great actor. I've seen him in a lot more things. And even they couldn't save the dialogue in that movie. Because even mm-hmm. they're acting just... If you're given certain lines, you're just sometimes there's no way to say lines in a way that makes sense or comes off authentically or anything. And that was a lot of the trouble with this movie was sometimes the night and not even just what they said but what they didn't say what they were not given actually was a lot worse than what they were given they were not given so many opportunities like so many times characters needed to have a reaction to something and they didn't like the script literally just jumped over the fact that they should have a reaction yeah to the next part yeah, specifically the male lead. There are several times where the male lead is trying to pursue her and he finds out that all these guys are chasing her and he ha- and and they're going on dates and she's running away from him and he has no understanding of what's going on. Like he's never brought into the story and so it's like um but like he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know about the the spell or anything like that like if you were in that situation and you were like pursuing someone and they were like running away from you (laughs) like you would have a reaction to that like you would be mad like he gets slapped by these guys and he has no time to react he has no like and it's it's not that the actor didn't react to the situation it was that there was no time for him to react there was nothing in the script of him reacting you know it was just like okay I'm just going to continue pursuing her and ignore everything else that is going on anywhere well the most ridiculous scene is I mentioned the restaurant so they're in this restaurant it is pitch black they can't see anything all of a sudden he hears all these voices around their table and they're talking to Beth they're one of them's talking about her feet the magnificent feet and this other guy comes up and straight up both hands is slapping his face multiple times and they're talking to Beth and then she's like oh my gosh I have to go I have to leave and he can hear them clearly go after her and so from the slap what happens is you see him get slapped you see her you know, slide under the table and start to crawl away to get away from the guys who all have night vision goggles on, by the way. So they can see, I don't know how they wrangled those from the Raiders, but they did. And they're following her. And instead of reacting to what's going on, why did I just get slapped? Why is this guy talking about his eight pack abs and like chasing after you? What the heck? He literally goes, wait, 
our date hasn't even started yet. Like, we just got here. Why are you leaving? And you just, what? Like, what (laughs) human being reacts like that? You're in a place, even if you can't see, you can hear all this going on. Your reaction would be, oh my gosh, are you like, are you being chased? Like, do you need help? Or something to that effect. He's literally like, no, don't leave. We just got here. Which makes the next part really weird because when he does catch up with her outside of the restaurant, he asks her, where would you feel safe? Like, where do you feel safe? Let me take you there. Which would make a lot more sense if he had asked her what was going on before and she had actually told him, these guys are chasing me even though I don't know them. But he didn't. He just asked her why she was leaving early. Yeah, and there's so, like... So much exposition is delivered through dialogue in this movie because all of the physical, like all of the showing has to be dedicated to the comedy. And so the dialogue, like, like I said, when we first meet her and they are constantly talking about how she's such a workaholic. So she has this boyfriend or this ex-boyfriend and they're talking about how she's not over the breakup and how like they see him, he's at her art gallery and or at her art um, gala and um her friends or assistants are like oh my gosh he's here like how could he he crushed your heart and all this stuff and like hopefully he wants to get back together and all this stuff and it turns out he broke up with her a year ago like over a year ago and now he's like engaged to someone else and getting married and stuff and it was just like that that's the kind of storytelling that they're doing is where it's like all this exposition and then and then I don't understand the point because he like tells her that they're getting engaged and then like the music stops and the DJ's like oh you're getting engaged and like they think that the two of them are and she has to say no I'm not getting married and it's really embarrassing for her but I really don't understand the point of that because it didn't like tell the story of the fact that she's afraid of falling in love because that's the point right she's supposed to be this girl who's afraid of falling in love and she's too obsessed with her career because she's afraid of uh, loving someone that much she was like wanting to like she wanted <clears throat> him to get back together with her but then he didn't and she was sad about it and so it's just like the opening scene was really weird compared to well i don't i was gonna say compared to the rest of the movie but i could say that about most every scene compared to the story i wish they had told <laughs> or yeah. were telling it was really yeah that didn't set up anything about their characters what it did set up was the kind of comedy you were in for the really awkward would not happen in real life comedy which I sometimes have an issue with like I'm fine with fantasy I'm fine if you want to throw in magic coins and a love spell and all of that that's I'll, I'll operate on a reality where that st- sort of stuff can happen I guess like comedy that is outside of that realm where they're saying oh you know we have magic coins but like this kind of comedy this is realistic and could actually happen but it's not like the fact that the music stops right as he says and we're getting engaged and everyone assumes that she's engaged and like doesn't wait for her to say anything and just start celebrating i was like so this is what we're in for right like they and all of her friends know that they broke up a year ago why would he propose to her a year later when they're not together anymore and just didn't land (laughs) so much. And they were the typical, they were the typical side best friends who the only time you see on screen, their only purpose on the screen is to devote time and attention and devotion really 
to the main character. They don't have their well, own exposition. Like that's all they did yeah. was exposition. <laughs> yeah. That's they, they, and then this is her assistant seems to be rather obsessed with making sure she has a good love life. Which I don't mind. That's a trope that doesn't really bother me is have like the best, the the assistant or the best friend or like the quirky person who's encouraging you to do that. I don't mind that trope. I'm fine with that. But yeah, all of her assistants were just there to deliver. Like all the other ones were there to deliver the exposition of she's a workaholic and make that awkward scene that much more awkward. And it didn't land. And there's a lot of things in this script that just don't land. And it's because of our next point, which is the balance of comedy and humor. <laughs> no, not comedy and humor, comedy and authenticity. Because comedy mm-hmm. and humor are the same thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the comedy and humor is off balance because they, oh, okay. they didn't do it correctly. <laughs> <sighs> I have so much to say on this topic. <laughs> Because I really wanted to like this movie. I love every actor they have in this movie. I really, truly do. The storyline, I think, is adorable and cute. And I would be down with that storyline in a heartbeat. I love kind of fantasy elements, especially in a realistic world setting. And so much of it just fell flat because they focused so much on this comedy that didn't really hit home because they didn't have a whole lot of authenticity. You didn't feel any emotional stakes throughout the entire movie you didn't so for example she picked up five coins for most of the movie you think nick is one of the coins aside from him there are four other gentlemen pursuing her there is a magician an artist a model and a guy who runs a sausage company empire he's very wealthy and it's sausage you get to know very very little about them outside of their careers They all seem to be very, very defined by what they do for work and just go off kind of different stereotypes with that. And it misses out on this opportunity because at the end when she's giving the coins back, you know, she gives the coin back to the guy who's a sausage king who's played by Danny DeVito. And he said, you know, when I threw the coin in, I just wanted to feel the way I felt when when I was with my ex-wife and you gave me that thank you. And she gives it to the magician and he said, before I met you, I was too scared to perform magic. And look what I did. I performed magic in front of lots of people in public. You know, you helped me get over that fear. I just needed a muse. And, you know, she's giving them back and they're giving these heartwarming, like they're supposed to be these heartwarming speeches where you go, oh, like, look, they all learned something and grew from it. It wasn't like a total waste of their time. But you feel nothing. Because throughout the whole movie, all they were used to as were these comedy foils that a lot of the time didn't even make sense. Like they all got along with each other, which, you know, I'm all for people getting along while pursuing the same person. Go for it. But they're under a magic spell. <laughs> like if it, there's any time to not be okay with someone else pursuing the person you're in love with is when you're under a magic spell that's forcing you to love them. Yeah. And it's... They're, they're only used for comedy, which is really weird to give, try and give them a heartwarming, authentic, genuine connection speech at the end. And honestly, the only one who was able to pull it off was Danny DeVito, because Danny DeVito played it authentic the entire time, while everyone else was in a completely different movie. Everyone else was in a comedy, a physical comedy, and he was over here in a physical comedy, but that was based on authenticity like a he was in a romantic comedy they were in a comedy that's also romantic yes that's the difference he was the only one who pulled it off but even then he couldn't make something 
appear that wasn't there in the script to begin well, with. And I think like um, Kristen Bell, her reaction was the same to every single guy. And it was jarring because you have this really, you have like this really heartwarming story of like he just went like he's like I didn't want like I didn't wish for my wife to come back to me I knew that wasn't going to happen I just wanted to feel the way I did when I was with her and that's really heartwarming and he delivers it super well and he and then later he gives this big speech about how if we really love her we're going to help her do like whatever she needs and then you have like the magician who is like I was afraid to perform magic and now I'm performing mag and I performed magic in front of people thank you and then you have the artist who it's like still comedy. Like it, it goes away from the sincerity there. And it's like, and, and I don't even know that this is the right order that they, that she gives them back into. I don't know. Cause it was so jarring. Like their reactions were very different. And the artist, he's not actually from Italy. He's from, I, I don't remember somewhere in America. <laughs> and, and he's from somewhere in America and he was pretending to be that way and he hadn't found his muse. He didn't know what made him an art. Like he didn't feel like he was a real artist. And she's like, I'm a curator. I see artists all the time. I think you're a real artist. So there's like almost a sincere moment, but because he's been so ridiculous this whole time and he's still, it's the actor, um, the guy that plays Lego Batman. I don't remember what his name is, but he's the voice of Lego Batman. And so he's just he's funny he's a character actor he's very uh comedic and in that time like in that moment he's still comedic and then you go to Dax Shepard who is like he's like I didn't really learn anything <laughs> like I didn't get anything out of this you know like and that's supposed to be really funny and it would have hit a lot better had all three of the guys been really sincere but because the artist guy wasn't totally sincere and the magician guy like his story wasn't compelling a lot. It was just like, Oh, that's so sweet. You know, like it, it just, it was so jarring because it wasn't like sincere, sincere, sincere. Oh, he didn't learn anything. That's hilarious. That's funny because you know, he's just this guy that didn't learn, you know, like it was like, meh, like really sincere. And then like getting more into comedy. And then, yeah, that was just a, a, it was like, yeah, it was like a joke that just didn't land. And there was a lot of times in this movie where the joke just didn't land, like the vase not breaking. And he gives, like, she tries to give a speech, but she doesn't speak Italian at the wedding. And so he translates for her, but he doesn't know a lot of Italian. So he's just like, everybody clap and maybe she'll stop talking, you know, like. But I thought that was actually kind of mean of him. So this is Nick, the groomsman. He knows a smattering of Italian. And I actually was like, I understand that you don't know how to say what she's saying, but you could say that, like, you know, I don't exactly know how to phrase this, but it was sweet. And, you know, everyone go, all because what she said was heartwarming. And instead he's like, maybe if we clap, she'll shut up and wrap this up. No, that didn't work. Okay, let's clap some more. Maybe she'll stop this time. I actually thought that was a little yeah. mean, personally. Like, he's the reason that people went up to her later and called her a pervert at the wedding. Yeah, because he mistranslated... Um... Thank you for sharing. Yeah, like, a thank you for stuff. sharing your magic. And, you know, I love you guys. And it she he changed it to, like, I know you will share him with me. And they're like, yeah, you pervert. Instead of, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. He, he just kind of, he didn't help her image. And I didn't like that part of the comedy, especially if he was going to be the main romantic interest, which he was. Yeah. Like, 
So I feel like, and again, they set him up to be the straight man to her crazy, but then they change it. So she's the straight man. And if you don't know in a comedy bit, there's always like the person who's like the butt of the joke. And that's the straight man. They're like the serious person. And then other people are, are creating comedy around them. But if all those people aren't there, or, or like if the straight man isn't there, then all those people just look dumb. So like he's set up to be the straight man and he's not <laughs> like, and then throughout the rest of the movie, he's also part of the comedy and she becomes the straight man, which doesn't make sense because they keep putting her in comedic situations. So there's not a straight man throughout the entire story. It kind of bounces between him and her. And then it bounces into Danny DeVito's character. <laughs> and it's just like, it doesn't work, you guys. You have to have one sane person amongst the crazy. Otherwise, you just have a crazy world and there's no ties to reality. And so it's not believable and it's not funny. Like, that's kind of like The Office. Jim is this, Jim and Pam together are the straight man. It, for the comedy of the office they're the ones who understand that what is happening around them is crazy and sometimes they participate in the crazy but in a way that is self-realized like they understand what they're doing yeah exactly they know that they're and that's what makes crazy. the office so funny yeah because you have yeah that's what makes the office funny but when you have if jim and pam were like another dwight and angela it would be really annoying to watch that show right because there's no straight man to bring the reality to it to bring the sincerity to it and the the problem with this is that you can't have the straight man change between characters Mm-mm. and that was the problem with like this whole script like i feel like the script didn't really understand comedy and it sucks because they had amazing comedic actors oh my gosh they had danny devito dax shepherd kristen bell they had the guy who played napoleon dynamite John you know Heater. his name i can't remember it john heater who is funny yeah and for some reason I- and then they have the guy who played the batman who's also really funny sorry about all the names i can't remember will but, like this is an amazing concept. i think it's will arnett Will Arnett. Yeah. It is. It is. Will Arnett and Don Peter. I think Don Peter. John Heater. John Peter. See, I can't <laughs> remember. <laughs> Sorry. You're really funny. But they had these great, amazing comedic actors. And they couldn't make it that yeah. funny. Like, there's something wrong when you have Danny DeVito in a movie. And he can't make it funny. Yeah, well. I mean, to be fair, his one scene where he was supposed to be funny, where it was just him and Kristen Bell, that was yeah. funny. The rest of it was not. But his just just him and Kristen Bell together was really well. And funny. it's like I like I said, I like this movie, and it has a lot of really cute moments in it. But if you look at it as a whole and as a storyteller, it is a mess. <laughs> like. because i mean i like a lot of the bits i don't mind like when he runs into the tree i think that's funny when he dodges the pole and falls in the hole i think that's funny but it didn't actually make sense and it doesn't actually work in the storytelling you know like it's like they took all of these funny elements and then put them in a collage for us for our viewing enjoyment you know like it wasn't like a story it was like a collage of funny moments and then I think his best friend, so Nick has a best friend, and I think his best friend is meant to be funny, but honestly, his best friend just kind of creeped me out because his best friend is very, very possessive of him, and 
gets jealous when he finds out that Nick is talking to and wants to pursue a girl because he views it as someone taking his friend away from him and he stalks her and he crosses boundaries constantly and he's just really not he's he's a jerk like I I think when Tay and I talked before the podcast recording I literally said his best friend is like a jerk face boundaryless douchebag yeah <laughs> like, he's not like like I said I like the friendship trope where the girl you know like her little her best friend her assistant whatever is like per, like pushing her to do you know to follow your dreams or follow your heart or you know take a risk and all that stuff and then the guy best friends uh, you know there's different tropes for the guy best friend you know they either encourage or discourage but so the main character and I'm pretty sure that guy's name is Josh something and I don't remember what his last name is but anyway the actor the guy Nick he is on the phone with the, the with Kristen Bell and his but his poker buddies are there and he's like yelling at him like very angrily like yelling at him to get uh beer and a a bottle opener and all this stuff and just like really rude and you're just like okay well you know that was just a comedy bit whatever but then he just continues and and then he's like I'm gonna like stalk her and you know find out all the information I can about her and he was like no don't do that don't do that actually okay go ahead do that and so it's like it's funny thing that oh he's gonna give him permission to do that and then he does but then when he comes back he's like a jerk about it and like yeah you she's being pursued by all these guys and he's like oh I gotta step up my like and then he's like mean to her and mean to him and it was just like what is the point of this character like why would you be friends with this person Yeah, so first he's yelling, so when he's yelling him to get beer, like, it's legit, he's like, I, you know, I didn't have a beard before you went to go get beers, and now, look, I have a full face, and, oh, here's a bottle bottle opener you brought, you know, would have been nice, some beers to go with it, like, a real friend would have seen that he was off, and asked, like, hey, what's wrong, like, are you okay, why didn't you bring the beers out, like, is something wrong, Instead, he was being horribly rude and a jerk. Well, and even if and he then like, when he brings the pictures, he's like, she got more, she gets more action than you ever did throughout your whole college career. And like, maybe guys talk that way to each other, but like, ouch. And then he tells her, he yells at her through the door, you're ruining my life. You're taking away my friend, kind of a thing. And it's, I don't understand if this is the person that Nick chooses to let in his life, that should be like a big red flag parade walking by (laughs) for Beth who's the main lead it's like this is the kind of person that he actively allows in his life and chooses to hang around with I probably want to get out of this situation well and it's like there's a difference between like the guys teasing each other and like ripping on them and like I don't ripping them I don't really have a problem with that it's that he was sincerely mean like he did not have Nick's best interest yeah. at heart and it's like you can tease no. somebody and like and and maybe it was just the actor's fault for not conveying that it was supposed to be teasing and it was supposed to be lighthearted, or maybe it was the director or maybe it was just the fact that the script is really stupid <laughs> like and but he did like the things he says are really mean and then at the end like he actually hits Nick with his car but he drives Nick to um, to the museum where he wanted to be and it's like he comes in at the last minute to be the hero and you know like oh he's gonna accept this 
but he's even a jerk then. <laughs> like, so you, I don't know. I didn't like that character, um, whether it was the actor. And I've seen that actor in a lot of stuff. He's the character actor in a lot of other things. And he's, he's not my favorite type of humor, but he didn't have to be a jerk. And he was written weird and... I don't understand why, like, his point, he never makes Nick question either. Like, if he was there to make Nick question and kind of see the crazy going on with her. I would still hate him being a jerk, but at least it would make, okay, that that was his role in the movie. But he doesn't even do that. Like, when he brings, and he has photo evidence of her being with all these other guys, not that she was doing anything with them, but, like, they were around her. It just makes him go, you know, that just means I have to step up my game. And I think part of that was they were trying to do the red herring of, oh, he, you know, he's under the spell. That's why he's not bothered. But it was just a missed opportunity to maybe have the best friend of him actually have some sort of point in the story, I guess. Yeah. Have like an authentic moment with like, hey, I'm really concerned about you pursuing this person who appears to want nothing to do with you because at every opportunity she says no and runs away, and here she is with other men. It, instead of an authentic moment of, oh, he really does care. He's just ribs on him a lot, and that's the relationship, and that's fine if that's your relationship and you understand and you actually care for each other. But no, we don't ever get a caring sense from him. No, I just so many things don't hit like the comedy doesn't hit well and then the ending the ending is our is our last one and okay so the ending of this movie <laughs> the ending, uh gives the coins back to the guys and we have that moment that we already talked about right where it, it's kind of sincere yeah. and then not sincere and it's weird so then she um she gives like the coin or not the coin, the chip rolls down the spiral, not staircase, but the spiral path and lands at his feet and he picks it up. And then they have this awkward, you know, this cute word. Moment where he explains that he's in love with her and she's like, oh, my gosh, you have your coin, you're like your chip back and you still love me. That's incredible. Yay. They, you know, they have their little kiss moment and it's like, yay. And then it cuts immediately to their wedding. Like they're already getting married. The magician who had um, played a trick on her and like <clears throat> he took the poker chip and he was like, I have one poker chip and now I have three poker chips and now I have one again. And then he no she knocks out of his hand and that's how it like rolls down the spiral. And he's at their wedding and he's like, I accidentally found this other poker chip. I think this is the real one. And I gave you back a fake one that was mine. So like she has this heart to heart with her dad, which is like immediate next scene. And then the immediate next scene is the wedding and she's walking down the aisle. And at this moment, you think that um, Nick is under her spell, right? And she's walking down the aisle. like She's going to marry him knowing that he's under a spell and not in love with her. And then the priest who was the priest at her sister's wedding, you know, like they're, they're uh, her sisters, like, cause he was a groomsman. The main guy was a groomsman. So they were all buddies, the priest, him and her sister's husband. So obviously he's their priest, but he's kind of a jerk and he's kind of like, you know, you have to really think about this and you have to really, you know, commit. This is a big commitment. Are you sure you want to marry this guy? Like he's, he's not the greatest guy, you know, and this is like at their wedding. So it's like a big 
deal that he's kind of being a jerk. So then she decides she can't do it. She gives Nick the poker chip back and then runs out the fountain of love where she got all the coins where it all started. She takes off her shoes. She gets in the fountain, starts yelling at the fountain. And then he comes out and it's this just like she literally just left him at the altar and he comes running out and he's like, why do you keep giving me a poker chip back? And then and I, like all this stuff and then finds out, oh, she does love him. He throws the thing in the fountain and you find out that the priest was the one that had thrown the chip, the poker chip in the fountain. And that's like he wasn't pursuing her because he's a priest, you know. And so he was just so happy that he was finally free. And she's like, you didn't throw anything in the fountain. And he's like, no, I never threw anything in the fountain. I've always just been in love with you. And it's sweet. And then they kiss. But it's like, it's, it's like this awkward, weird, like, does not hit. It does not land. And you're just like, you literally just left him at the altar. And why is nobody else coming out here? Like, why did nobody else follow you? What, what happened? Like, it was just, it was so awkward. And it's like, and then he gets in the fountain with her and they kiss in the fountain. So they're both crazy, you know, it's a cute idea, but it just didn't land because the editing of going from one scene to the next scene, to the next scene, to the next scene is so choppy and like has no rhythm, no flow. And the character develop like the fact that he's he has no reaction because he has no idea what's going on he has no idea that she thinks any of the spell things are happening like he doesn't know that she thinks people are under the spell and this is a something that happens in a lot of movies that where like someone's under a spell or they think they're under a spell like just my luck with Lindsay lohan and chris pine the ending kind of falls flat because it's like one person knows about, you know, the magic that's happening and the other person doesn't. The one person who doesn't finds out about the magic and they actually talk sense into them. And but in this instance, she never explains that people are under the spell. He's like, you seem to think I'm under some kind of spell. And she's like, you are. And it's like, why does she think that? Like, he has no react. Like, if you were about to marry someone and then you found out they thought that you were under some sort of magic spell. Wouldn't you be somewhat concerned? <laughs> he never has a reaction to anything. Like it's not even written into the script for him to have any reaction to anything that happens. He's just there to smile and look pretty and be the one that she finds love with, but not actually, you know, have human reactions yeah. to things. Also her wedding March is Alta Maria. Which is a Christmas song about Mary, mother, mother Ave of Maria. Ave Maria. Yeah, but a lot of people actually do walk down the aisle to Ave that. Maria. That's a weird thing for me because I'm like, maybe if you're Catholic, it would make more sense. Neither of us are Catholic. Maybe, maybe I think if let us know in the comments if that's the thing. I don't know. We're Catholic, but I've always associated sense. that song with Christmas. Like it's a Christmas song. It's about Mary and. So I don't. But yeah, it's been a lot of. I think like in. I think I could be wrong, but I think in Parks and Rec when um, Amy Poehler's character gets married, I think they also. She walks down to Ave Maria. But anyway, there was a couple of music moments in this that the music really didn't land either. So overall, I just think that. 
the missed opportunities of this was they took a really cool story and had really great comedic actors and they told the story poorly and didn't give the actors anything to work with. I think it just more and more, especially now that we've done some Disney stuff and I can't remember who produced this movie, but these were big budget, you know, Hollywood, American Hollywood type films. Just because you have a big budget does not mean that you're going to be able to tell yeah. a good story. Like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's really frustrating as, you know, people who are creators and we want to tell stories. We would love to have that budget so we could do films and tell stories like that through film and through TV and to see people do it and do it so poorly. Not that we're perfect and or would be perfect at it, but the fact that we can see the problems <laughs> and they're really kind of obvious fixes, it's just kind of really frustrating to see people who do have the resources to do movies do them poorly, especially with a really interesting concept like this one and with really good actors. Like they had everything at their fingertips and they were just like, and I mean, like I said, I like this movie. It's a cute movie. If you don't use your brain, like if you don't try and think about it or try and look for plot holes, like if you are just there for the romance and the cute, it's fine. But it could have been so much better. It could have been a really like impactful, like it could have been one of my favorites, you know, like it could be one that you just watch over and over and over again. But there are so many times when it doesn't land that I don't think it like I don't think it has any staying power because of that. I'm I'm not a crazy huge fan of rom-coms like we me and Laura discussed. We're just not rom-com type people. We like our romance either as a secondary part to the story or like a dramatic romance. Um, but comedic romance is a, it's a genre that is super popular and a lot of people like it and it can be done really well. There like, there's a lot of movies out there that it's, it's done really well because it has a good balance of sincerity and comedy. And um, this movie just didn't have the correct balance. And so it just, it didn't hit all like it, it like it ticked the boxes, but not in the right order and not like, like it didn't flow. Well, we were discussing I grew up with a mom who loves, loves rom-coms. Like rom-coms are her jam. And so I grew up watching a lot of them. And of course, I also grew up watching a lot of older ones because obviously my mom is older. So she likes older movies. And so do I. And I said to Taya, I'm like, I think the last movies, like rom-com movies that I remember enjoying because I'm not a huge fan of this genre, but I think I'm not a huge fan of modern rom-coms because I love the old, like the old Hugh Grant rom-coms or Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, um, Robert Downey Jr. and Marissa Tomai, who is Spider-Man's aunt. And of course he's Tony Stark. They did a romance movie together called Only You. I love that movie. Like I love that era of rom-coms and then all of a sudden it kind of turned around I'm not exactly sure when but I started really really disliking romantic comedies all of a sudden and I think it's because a lot of them are following the same they'll put the comedy first and authenticity and romance after so it's like a comedy with romance but they're missing key components that made the earlier romantic comedies so great 
And I don't know why they started doing that. I don't know how it became a popular trend. I don't know why it like caught on after the first few. But if you want to see some really good romantic comedies that two girls who are saying they don't like them like, it would be things like the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movies, Hugh Grant from the 90s and early 2000s, Only You, which is a movie with Tom, uh, not Tom, Robert Downey Jr. Those are really great movies to look into. But yeah, just the modern rom-coms, I don't know. Maybe we're crazy. Tell us we're crazy if you think we are. Give us some really good modern rom-coms yeah, because I think we're missing them. Definitely I let us know, know because like for <laughs> me, I didn't grow up with a lot of rom-coms in my family. Like we, I mean, I grew up with like Elvis movies, which are technically rom-coms, but let's face it, Elvis movies are like their own category. And I grew up with a lot of like action movies that had a romantic subplot like the fifth element or the mummy or things like like those were my romantic movies i thought those were so romantic and um and so they're like the romantic comedies like i liked once i got older i started liking romantic comedies kind of like to rebel against the fact that i like i lived with my brothers when i was an early adult and so like all of our like movie shelf was you know guy movies actions and uh action adventure or sci-fi or something and i like all those movies but i was like i want to have my own like girly movies and so i bought a bunch of girly movies for myself but even those was like ever after which is a drama comedy or a drama romance and um the romantic comedies that i had like 27 dresses which that came later i'm not that old but um or I'm not that young, I guess. <laughs> 27 dresses and like the wedding planner, which I understand there's a lot of problems with the wedding planner. I'm not defending it, but it's like one of my favorite rom-coms. And and it's it's movies like there's just there's just very few movies that I love that are rom-coms and that have comedy first and the romance second. Usually I like romance first <laughs> and and that's where I think yeah like we, like what you were saying is like the trend is different now it's like everybody wants the comedy and then we'll throw in a little romance in there too and that's how the balance gets off and I think if you go into this looking at it it's a comedy it's meant to be funny and there's romance in it as well kind of a thing you'll like this movie so I don't know yeah let us know what rom-coms are really good that are modern um and I was telling Laura uh, Rebel Wilson did a spoof movie called Isn't It Romantic where it's this girl she gets trapped in a rom-com and I like watched that movie and I didn't like it I didn't get most of the jokes and I didn't like the main character and it was just like I don't think I watch enough rom-coms to, to understand all the jokes and it's like because she's making fun of all the different tropes and everything that are in rom-coms and I'm like I don't get that like that doesn't uh-huh and I yeah because I just I didn't watch very many growing up and even in early adulthood, See, I, the dramas. <laughs> I love that movie. My mom and I really enjoyed that movie. <laughs> but my mom and I watched rom-coms all growing up. Yeah. So I liked Isn't It Romantic? I think, it, yeah, Isn't It Romantic, I think, is what it's called. Anyway, but I, I thought it was funny. But it's also been a while since I've seen it. But, yeah, I'm just... The, the, the girly movies, if you know, the quote-unquote girly movies, because I think men can watch them too. It's Anyway, but that I like are more Penelope, Legally Blonde, 
all the Jane Austen renditions of anything ever. <laughs> um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh my gosh. Did I already say Legally Blonde? Clueless. Wait, Clueless. Clueless and anyway, uh, Clueless. 10 Things I Hate About You are based off of Shakespeare. Well, oh, Clueless yeah. is Emma. 10 Things I Hate About You is, is Shakespeare. And then Legally Blonde, Penelope, What a Girl Wants. Like Those are some of the movies that I can go to over and over and over again. I have seen them several times. I love them. And they're definitely chick flicks. But for me, they're, the romance is there, but it's not the main point. Like Penelope especially is a really good example of it. It's about a girl who... She's actually trying to make romance her main plot, but she 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 has to go on this journey of finding out who she is and you know growing and maturing. What a girl wants is about a a girl who is figuring herself out and trying to get a relationship with her father. It has Colin Firth in it, great movie, and Legally Blonde. Of course, she has to get faith in herself and learn to rely on you know she can be girly and she can be smart as a lawyer and do all this stuff. And I guess I just. It's hard for me to find movies where the where there's a good balance with romance being the lead with comedy, I guess. Because all those movies have comedy in them, but it's done well. I don't know. I need romantic <laughs> comedy ideas, guys. If you have rom-coms that you think that we would like based off what the movies we just said we enjoy, send them to us because I think we're missing some. And I would really like to know that not every romantic comedy movie that's come out in the last 15 years has completely sucked <laughs> i don't know like i really love penelope i don't like what a girl wants that's one of my least favorite amanda Bynes movies um <laughs> I'm sorry. that makes me sad I'm sorry that's, that's my, my favorite. least favorite of all of her movies and i really like the guy that's in it like the well i love colin firth but um the romantic guy in it the, the teenager i like him a lot he's in a hillary yes. duff movie and i really liked him but yeah, raise your but, voice. Yeah, that what a girl wants is like my least favorite, and I I liked Legally Blonde. I don't think it was one of my favorite movies. Like I don't own it, and I wouldn't like I'm okay with that. I it's not one that I really <laughs> find it like I don't know. Like I said, when I want a romantic movie, I go to like um well I would go to Penelope. That's one I I will watch a, a million times over because it has a really good ending, and that and I yeah. like. I love Jane Austen. That's my if I if I'm dying for romance. It's I also Austin. like the ones like, like I like um, just my luck, which has a really bad ending. Actually, it's it's ending is done poorly, but the whole movie I really enjoyed. And then um, you like more rom coms than me because Twenty Seven Dresses. I'm like eh, on Wedding Planner. Really eh, on <laughs> um, the one you just mentioned that I can't remember its title, but I, I know the movie, and I'm all oh just my luck. Also very uh, on. I think you like more than me. Actually. Oh, and just like heaven, I really like that one. Yeah, you like a lot more <laughs> than me. <laughs> well, and like I said, I went through because I grew up with, you know, I, 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 me and my sister weren't close when, when I was growing up, and so she liked the Jane Austen type movie. She was never really into, like, she liked Ten Things I Hate About You and stuff like that, but she was never really into rom coms. And so I lived with my brothers, and they were all about the action movies, all about like you know, um, sci-fi and things like that. And so I got all of my favorite ones and those have just been my favorite ones forever. And so like, but yeah, like I'm with you, like there's not a lot of new ones that I love and I'm not, I mean, 
when I love them, I love them. And when I don't, I don't. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't like what a girl wants. I didn't like failure to launch. I, you know, like there was a lot of them I really just don't like, I don't connect with, but then there's some that just, they hit you, you know, they hit you like at a certain time in your life. And so you're just connected to them forever. I mean, that's, that's what a girl wants for me. 100% hit me at a time in life where I'm forever connected to that movie. Well, it hit me at a time in my life and I was just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me with every rom-com now. So anyway, the whole point is from two girls with very different experiences with rom-coms, we're in the same rut of not really liking the current one. So send us your ideas, send us an action movie, send us any movie that you would like for us to cover good bad in between new old we can we'll try to find it we'll give you a shout out if we choose your movie just remember we are family friendly and we stay away from rated r movies and if there's something explicit in it outside of an r rating depending on the explicitness we might not watch it so we'll respond, we'll respond to you every yeah. time um if we can so yeah so now you guys know probably more about us and our movie taste growing up than you ever wanted to know but at least you know where we're coming (laughs) from when we tell you this is a cute rom-com but it is it is very much (laughs) like you just go into it for the comedy and if you don't like the com if if you don't like that type of comedy you're probably not gonna like this movie yeah that was me I'm not like yeah so I'm okay with that. This movie <laughs> in my life. <laughs> anyway, so um, thank you very much. Remember to um, like us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much. This is your little sisters' productions. I'm Taya. Bye. I'm Laura.